Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. So there's a lot happening in our world right now, and I want to pause our regularly scheduled series to speak into what is affecting many of us here in the U.S. and globally, the viruses of racism and hatred. I want to approach this by telling you about the story of the plank in my eye. Here are some words of wisdom. How can you say to others, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from another's eye. Truth be told, I never saw this as something that applied to me until it clearly did. I'll never forget when that two by four showed up for me. I grew up in a Puerto Rican home with good food, good music, and a good amount of racism. Not all Puerto Rican homes were like this, but mine was. I remember hearing things like, hay que mejorar la raza. You've got to better the race, which really meant marry white people. I learned about good hair and bad hair. And my father would say to us, I don't care who you marry as long as they are not black or Dominican. Sad to say, he was taught this too. Rebels that we all were, my brother dated mostly black women, I married a Dominican, and I can confidently say that my sister was a solid anti-racist. But clearly, we grew up in a racist home, and as we matured, we saw the ugliness of it and denounced it whenever it came up. We called it out, and, and I'll just speak for myself, I judged others harshly and I prided myself as not being racist. After all, I had many black friends and I grew up in the projects of the South Bronx. Except for two white families, it was a mixture of black and brown families. Fast forward 2003, I received a call from Kent, our coordinator at the adoption agency. We had been waiting for some time to adopt a baby. And in between phone calls at my busy home office, I heard Kent say, we have a baby for you. And with excitement, he announced that it was a boy. He's Jamaican and Trinidadian, he said. I interrupted and quickly responded, oh no, we want a Latino baby. He must have sensed the coldness and the matter-of-factness in my demeanor and may also have been a bit confused because this was never a criteria in our application. I quickly hung up the phone and continued working on the business of my business as if nothing of importance had occurred. Later that afternoon, David, my husband, arrived home and I almost didn't even mention it to him. At that moment in my life, my action to me was so benign that it didn't even deserve to be mentioned. I also thought that David would agree. I told him what happened in a very matter-of-fact kind of way, and I'll never forget his response to me. 
the surprise and disappointment in his voice when he said, Lily, a baby is a baby. At that moment, those words floated from his mouth to my ears. It registered in my brain and exploded as I started to become aware of the malignancy that was in my own heart. At first, I tried to justify it. It's just a cultural thing. It would be easier for the baby and the family if he looked like us. But the questions started to come up for me. What if he were white? What if he were Asian? It was the first time I saw and felt the plank of racism in my eye. The two by four wrapped in pride, the sin of believing myself better than others to the extent that I would reject a baby because of the color of their skin. Even as I say this, it stings. The very thing I judged others harshly for was right there in my own heart, deeply rooted and so deeply hidden that I was completely unaware. I recalled the many times I took pride in the fact that I was not racist. In shock and shame, as being humble does to one, I staggered to my knees and began to sob. Meanwhile, David quickly got on the phone and frantically tried to get his baby back. I held on to a bit of hope that maybe this can quickly be undone and we could move on. He then approached me completely defeated and reported to me that it was too late, that the baby was going to a family that was in the military and wanted him. It was finished. As I recall this, I want to say that I don't ever remember David being angry with me about this. What I remember was his deep sadness at having lost an opportunity to father a baby. The plank in my eye was deeply affecting another's hope, another's dream, another's life. I'm sure that David's grace contributed to my newfound humility. I would not have been so graceful. My prayer that evening was that God would remove this malignancy from my heart. Now that I knew that it was there, I was completely responsible for how I dealt with it. Hypocrisy, pride, racism, shame, all wrapped in this plank. I also learned that humility is strongly connected to wisdom if you let it take you through the painful process needed to remove the plank. For hours, I begged for a second chance at the gift that God had offered us, had offered me. By the time I went to bed, I felt defeated, but grateful that I could see my heart despite the pain and shame I felt. From past experiences, I knew that God would offer grace somehow, and I trusted where he was taking me. The following morning, we received a very unexpected call from the adoption agency. The family that wanted the baby only had one bedroom, and having a second bedroom was a criteria for adoption. They couldn't get a second bedroom because they didn't have a baby, a hiccup in their military regulation that would take too long to fix. The baby was now ours. My son, Jordan, 
now 17, was and is the reminder of the amazing grace that was extended to me. He is a kiss from God, a beautiful gift wrapped in love and forgiveness. After this, I faced many incidences, even within my own family, of racism and judgment about having adopted a Black baby. But now I had a deeper understanding of that plank and how truth, love, grace, and forgiveness humbled me and gave me the courage to root it out of my heart so that perhaps I could see the speck in others and help remove it. And to be clear, I don't believe that racism is a speck. It is evil. But in comparison to the plank that was in my eye, I see a speck in others. I don't ever want to forget the ugliness of racism that took root in me. I also don't ever want to forget the painful and poetic mixture of truth, love, grace, forgiveness, and courage that removed it so that I could now see clearly. This is particularly significant as I am an educator of educators and a leader. This experience helped me to see how racism and unconscious bias easily infects families, generations, institutions, and systems. Most importantly, those we influence, our children. For years, I had the privilege of preparing emerging teachers, and one of the most powerful classes I facilitated was when we spoke about racism. I typically opened up by asking, who here is a racist? As I raised my hand, encouraging others to do the same, I even talked about this being a safe space. Of course, no one bit. Then I shared my story, and every single time I spoke about the plank in my eye, splinters and all, the students began to open up and explore the speck in theirs, which for those who had the courage to dig deeper, found a plank that they could now remove and then help others to see their speck. So where do I stand now? I will absolutely stand up against racism and injustice, always remembering how the racism was rooted out of me with truth, love, grace, forgiveness, and courage. And if I don't, I rely on you, who after having removed the plank out of your eye, will graciously tell me about the speck in mine. Thank you. Hello leaders. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.